Welcome back in everyone to a fabulous new episode of Whisper in the Wings from Stage Whisper. We have another fantastic show to be sharing with you today. And this time to joining us, we have the amazing playwright Dakota Sylvie and the director Donnie Robbins. They're joining us today to talk about a collective presentation of Flight Risk, playing March 6th through the 10th at the Gene Frankel Theater. You can get your tickets and more information by visiting our.show slash Flight Risk 2024. This is a show that you can't judge on the title alone. The story is absolutely fantastic. And the perfect people to tell us more about this are our guests. So let's go ahead and welcome them on. Dakota, Dougie, welcome to Whisper in the Wings from Stage Whisper. Thank you. Thanks Glad to be here. I'm so excited to have the two of you here, to have beautiful sunlight behind you. Spring is on the <laughs> way. And with spring comes this great show that you two have been working on so much called Flight Risk. Dakota, let me start with you as a playwright. I'm curious, can you tell us a little bit more about what this show is about? Sure. The The, the danger of the show is actually we don't want to tell too much because it's it's got a little bit of thriller mystery aspects, but... We collaborated on a sort of a shorter version for a festival last year, and we won the festival. And kind of the prize and jokingly burden is to extend it into a full length. So we created this really intense 10 minute play, and now we've gotten this chance to expand upon that. A big, a big aspect of it, you know, our sort of synopsis is a, a hunter on the lamb and a midwife who desperately needs to deliver a baby gets stuck on a flight that is crashing down around and they sort of divulge their deepest, darkest secrets to each other. And a big part of this was kind of inspired seeing a scene in the movie, Almost Famous, in which this, this rock band from the 70s is about to crash their plane and they're divulging their, their sort of big secrets to each other, all the things that they wanted to say and felt like they needed to say before, before potentially crashing. I love that. That is just enough to hook us, but still uh, <laughs> but still give us a good idea of what we're dealing with. And the inspiration is fantastic for the show. I kind of want to snowball on that if I could. Where did you come up with the idea for the show? I had been thinking a lot about, I mean, initially, sort of that that one act, ten play format in ways to get characters to be real and honest with each other as quickly as possible. And this sort of idea of building this intense moment, at least for that initial 10 minute version, where there's these things you've never said to anyone ever. And, you know, what would you say if, if maybe, maybe you thought you were going to die, what, what you might say to a stranger just to get something off your chest to to say those things that you never could say to your your loved ones. I love that. What an interesting scenario, too. Well, Dougie, let me bring you into this conversation now. How did you come upon this piece? Well, I knew Dakota before he had started writing it, and I had the great good luck to be there the first time he sort of presented a reading of it. As just sort of a casual, you know, this is a, a, a not even a five minute thing the first time I heard it, even. Yeah, about 10 minutes. Was it 10? Yeah. Uh, you know, here's a, here's a 
almost a skit. I don't want to reduce it given what it's become now that I'm working on. It was great. And oh, I love it. And then a short while later, I think that was about a year ago in the spring. So this past summer, you know, I got a text saying, Hey, you know, I think I'm think I'm gonna do this festival and I need a director. And do you remember that that piece? And I said, oh, yeah, yeah. And then we, a couple phone calls later and a motorcycle ride even later <laughs> on the back of his bike, <laughs> you know, and a sandwich in this park overlooking the city. And, you know, we sort of had this really exciting conversation about what could be in even this 10 to 15 minute thing. And then, um, as he said, we won the thing. <laughs> and then the 15 minute thing became a full length thing. And it's been an incredible joy ride just to sort of watch this seed turn into a tree. That is so wonderful. I love all of that. Dougie, sticking with you next on this question, you mentioned that it started off as like a 10-minute play, a snapshot, if you will, that you've now developed into a full work. What has it been like developing this piece as we head into the opening? Actually, this is such a wonderful time to be thinking back because there are we're finding these moments in rehearsal or in design meetings where I'm like, oh, wow, like that circle is closing. That thing has come around. These elements that were in the beginning are sort of finding their home in the final version, which has just been really amazing to see. It's been a lot of fun. Dakota is an incredibly collaborative writer. You know what I mean? Some writers are extremely private. And he has a nice balance where, you know, he will go and, and bring these things that I never saw coming. But then we'll also, you know, have a conversation I mean, we've had them at times just like walking from the train or over a beer and we'll just sort of ping pong, you know, what if, you know, what if this character or what if that, and what if we sat them around and did this? And then, yeah, sometimes some the sea will grow and then sometimes he'll, he'll come back and say, I have a new draft and I'll read it and I'll go, you know, I never saw that coming. I never saw this. Um, so it's been really, really rewarding to actually be a part of it at times. And then also really fun to sort of, you know, disappear for a little bit and then a month later go, oh, wow, the whole second half's written? Well, let me see it. Let me see what happened. You know, so it's it's been real collaborative and, and surprising because there have been times where it's like, oh, I remember what it was like the first time I read that. And now I get to see the audience get whammied with that for the first time or, you know. It's so wonderful. I love that. And I can't wait to experience this just, just based on that alone. That's so wonderful. Dakota... As the playwright, I'm kind of curious about the same thing as well, about the development of it. But I'm wondering, did you have the full play written out before you had to present this 10-minute scene? Or did you, you know, enter it when and go, okay, now I've got to start filling it out with the rest of what I wanted to do? You know, I really initially envisioned it as a sort of short piece. And it wasn't until we had this revelation that like, wow, things are going well. We might actually win this. <laughs> that maybe I took Dougie for a beer and I was like, so what happens next, do you think? <laughs> and we started spitballing ideas and it started to become a reality. You know, I I got to talk to the artistic director of the Gene Frankel at the time. She just retired, Gail Thacker. She's also the founder. And I kind of spitballed her the idea of what that might turn into. And she got really excited and encouraged us to push forward with it. So yeah, I mean, Initially, I didn't see it going past that first scene. And we took this challenge of seeing where the story goes next. And I was, you know, a little bit scared to see like where it might go, but it all really came out from some good discussions. 
and it all really came out with sort without sort of hitting any sort of major obstacle or wall. It turned out that this story had a lot more, you know, a lot more miles in it. And so I was very excited to have that all that come out. And yeah, I, I went week by week with it, sort of workshopping it with other writers. And every once in a while, I'd bring sort of a big chunk of it to, to Dougie, you know, maybe the first act and then finally the full piece without even, without showing our actors who had done the festival, who we brought back. Oh yeah. Grace Salee and uh, Connor Andrew Hall. So that was really fun too, is Dougie got a little insider peek at what this full draft was turning into. And finally, after he'd seen maybe one or two iterations of it, we did a table read with our actors and they were taken by surprise and really thrilled with what it what it had turned into. So it was really cool, a first time experience for me to, I don't know, get a build off what the actors did in those in that initial play and sort of create the characters around what we were talking about during those initial rehearsals and then go off and you know spend some months writing it and then bring it back to them. So in a way, like kind of not initially, but through the full length process written around these, these two actors and a third actor who we added, Eric Conver. Amazing. I love that, that journey for the show altogether. The fact that you were like, I think we're gonna win this thing. We should probably be ready for what's next. That's wonderful. Yeah. <laughs> Dougie, coming back to you, I would love to know, is there a message or a thought you're hoping the audiences take away from Flight Risk? There is. I have to word this carefully because I don't want to give anything away. <laughs> but there absolutely is. And I think, like, to keep it in really simple terms, is like Dakota wrote a play that's very much about people. And there's a great line that I'm going to butcher, forgive me, Dakota. I'm always saying, like, I paraphrase horribly anytime <laughs> in rehearsal. I'm like, you know, this line, and then I'll get it completely wrong. But there's a wonderful line about sort of what happens when people are in, painted into corners or in impossible situations and are faced with these choices. And so for me, ever since getting that first full draft, you know, which has gone through a couple more tweaks, that was the thing that really landed with me. And the thing that I have been thinking about the most as I come into rehearsals and stuff is like, what happens to these people? What choices are available to them? And what can they do or make? And I'm hoping that by the end of the show, the audience will sort of have gone inward a little bit to sort of go, you know, what would I do in that situation? Am I any different? I love that idea. Dakota, how about you? What message or thought are you hoping the audiences take away from your show? Big thing that came up for me when writing it, I started thinking about, you know, these characters all carry so, so many secrets and the way they sort of admit them to each other. I thought a lot about people in my life and myself, the sort of small lies that we tell each other and ourselves. And, you know, a big thing came up with the turn of the year. Last year's most searched word, most looked up word was authentic. And so I think this play is an examination on what's, you know, truly authentic in a world where we, we kind of constantly lie to each other in these small ways. And the examples I give, which sound kind of petty, are like, yeah, I'll go to your show or... <laughs> That was good. And it's not that these these things, I, I you know, I, it wrestles with, are these things wrong? It's it's really like investigating ourselves, all those things that we say to each other to maybe protect each other's feelings, especially being artists. 
And so I, while writing this, and I hope the audience while seeing it, investigate this idea of all those sort of like little white lies or the things that we tell others and ourselves to protect ourselves and to protect each other. And without necessarily judging all those things, because sometimes it's okay, you know, <laughs> it's okay to tell someone you're going to go to their show and maybe you're not. That happens going to happen all the time. It's we're all, we're all in theater. Amen. Say that again for the people in the back. <laughs> no, but I love that idea. Two wonderful ideas that both of you are channeling through this piece. And a wonderful lead into my final question for this first half, which is who do you hope have access to flight risk? And Dakota, can I start with you on that, please? Sure. Big part of my upbringing and sort of, you know, things I know with my life, I've worked as a firefighter and EMT. I've been trying to reach out to sort of first responders, veterans to try and get maybe more of that community to come to the theater. I've invited a whole group chat of EMTs to come and I'm, you know, jokingly a little worried, you know, will they judge some of the medical jargon I use? But I've been able to invite some folks who don't particularly go to the theater a lot. And I'm really hoping to engage, you know, as, as much as we can in, in, in New York City, folks who, who don't typically, typically come to the, the theater. So that's a big part of what I'm trying to do pushing forward as an artist, tell stories of, you know, we've got a, a you know, a midwife in Alaskan natives. And, you know, when I think off my head, I don't, I don't know how many times I've seen a play about Alaskans or, or, or midwives or some of these sort of backgrounds. And I'm hoping to intrigue, you know, folks like that. That is fantastic. Yes. Bring some new people to the theater. That's the spirit. <laughs> Dougie, how about you? Who do you hope have access? Well, I first want to agree with Dakota because he has walked many, many paths in life already, which feeds his playwriting. And so some of those friends from those paths that are non-theatrical came this summer and getting to see them experience even the, just not our, our short version, but the whole evening of short versions, which was actually quite a long night and having such a wonderful time was actually a really just incredible thing to see and talk to them afterwards and see them sort of experiencing theater and seeing their ideas of it change and realize oh it's not like a stuffy old thing it was really rewarding so I would love if that could be the case and for me personally I've been thinking a lot about young people and by that I mean like young adults college students graduate students even up into I would say like mid-30s down through the 20s, because this is a piece written by people of that age, directed by people of that age, acted by people of that age. And not that ageism is a huge thing, but I think it says something in terms of, you know, this isn't, as you said, it's a midwife being played by a girl in her mid-20s. This isn't a American family from the 50s in a kitchen sink in New England. You know what I mean? This is young and fresh and new. And I think people who are going to really enjoy it are going to be young, fun, exciting artists that are going to be like, oh, wow, this was some wild, this is some wild, crazy shit that we're doing. You know what I mean? This isn't a Broadway, you know, white picket fencer. You know what I mean? This is, this is fun and dangerous and a little bit sexy at times. And, you know, it feels very fresh to me. So I want people to come who are going to see that. 
which in my head are young people, maybe not. <laughs> now as we head into the second part of our interview and give our listeners a chance to get to know the two of you a little bit better pull the curtain back if you will and I want to start by asking you our regular first question which is what or who inspires you what playwrights composers or shows have inspired you in the past or just some of your favorites and Dougie I'm going to stick with you first on this is that okay that is okay so lots of things inspire me. One of them actually truly is museums. Going and looking at art is always super inspiring for me. And when I'm working on something, if I can't get to a museum, I'm Googling artists that might resonate with me. So that's always a great place to start. But in terms of, of theater, there's a particular director from the West End who's been inspiring me for the past couple of years. His name is Robert Ike. And he's had two shows over the past two years at the Park Ave Armory. He is a really, in my opinion, cool, to use a simple word, director. He does his own adaptations. He works a lot with stories or texts that we already know, but he completely rewrites them and guts them and, and makes them contemporary to today. And the way that he stages his pieces using technology and design elements and all these things is just every time I leave the theater, not only do I feel like I'm like, oh my God, I want to see that again. And I want to go make something right now. People around me in the audience seem to have very similar reactions, you know? So I always think that's really cool when you hear the the gab, you know, on the, on the way out of the theater. So yeah, that, that's an artist that's really been inspiring me lately. I love that. I'm going to have to look up this artist. It sounds amazing. Yeah, he's really cool. Dakota, how about you? What or who inspires you? Yeah, of course. I mean, there's a litany of playwrights that I look up to. I I think of a lot of playwrights that deal with comedy, like Neil Simon, Martin McDonough. I love the way they tell such impactful stories through humor. I love writers like Paula Vogel, Mario Mayok, and Lynn Nottage for the ways that they just, mm -hmm. they challenge you and tell stories that it'd be difficult to swallow, but are also truly authentic. I think, especially after this play, I'm thinking a lot about art that is authentic and ways that we can use this medium to expose life and and really, you know, dig deeper. I think there are contradictions in like in that. I've always I've always thought of this quote by Ezra Pound, who said, fiction is news that stays news. And so I think a lot of these stories give us a way of reflecting on our own lives. And I think some of them are timeless and they they sort of resonate no matter what. I think especially like Robert Icke and his works, he uses those stories and, and retells them that way. And I, I love adventure writers, you know, Jack London, Ernest Hemingway, Stephen Crane, even Anton Chekhov, like some of the, especially some of his short stories contrasting with his plays that figure are based on his experiences as a doctor traveling through Russia and like going to all these small towns and villages. So I live that way as an artist. I try to like find inspiration from traveling and adventuring when I can, even though sometimes what I write is really more intimate. I hope it all, I hope it all kind of comes full circle. That is a wonderful list as well. Thank you both for those. 
I know you two have been busy getting the show ready for its opening on March 6th, but have either of you seen any great theater lately you might be able to recommend to our listeners? Me and Dougie go together to a lot of stuff, actually. <laughs> we saw, I'm very proud to say, we saw Stereophonic by David Adjmi at Playwrights Horizons. I think I saw the first preview, like center front row, and Dougie was next to, yeah, yeah to the same two seats down. Two seats down. <laughs> <laughs> and I think we both had a feeling as we walked out of there that we saw like a piece of like theater history. And now that play's gone on in Broadway. So we're going to try and see that again during previews before it, you know, I just know that show is going to just absolutely crush this upcoming season. And I saw school pictures last, last fall. And I thought by Milo Kramer. And I, th I thought that was such a wonderful one person show. And then uh, I know a, a big a big thing we also saw was we saw separately was Patrick Page's All the Devils Are Here. Wow, that show was amazing. Like, and luckily I'd already written my play, but his <laughs> his like observations on, you know, like sort of morality and truth through the lens of Shakespeare's villains, I think like really spoke to our piece. And I made sure that our, we'll say, more complicated character, our actor who's playing, well, uh, Connor Andrew Hall, I, I made him and Dougie go see that show as kind of like a touchstone of inspiration. And I, yeah, I, I think that was wonderful, wonderful show. Anything else you've seen? What well, I mean, say on those? I can't stop talking about Stereophonic even now. I think it's been months later and I'm still telling people about the show and that they need to go see it. And I will certainly see it again. It was incredible. I also have very long musical theater background. So I saw Kimberly Akimbo twice, which was wonderful. I mean, I am a massive Janine Tesori stan. If you haven't seen it yet, or even if you have, you know what I mean? I think it's worth catching again before it closes because... You know, who knows we're gonna, when we're going to get Janine back on Broadway with another original score, <laughs> you know? So I really loved that. I have, well, it's more because we've been rehearsing, I really haven't been going to the theater a lot. Patrick Page is incredible and all the devils are here. Watching him do Shakespeare is like watching a fish swim. It's just the most beautiful, natural thing in the world. I'm going to see Teeth upcoming at Playwrights Horizons, which is I'm really intrigued about. And there's this really cool looking production coming up at St. Anne's Warehouse called The Hunt that I don't know if I'm going to see, but I'm really interested in seeing if I can. For sure. All right. Some wonderful, wonderful shows in there that I'm on the boat with you when it comes to recommending them. I want to ask the two of you now, what is your favorite part about working in the theater? And Dakota, I'm going to start with you on this first. I think a big thing I've been discovering, I've been in New York for the past five or six years, is working with artists that are super passionate from varied backgrounds and getting to find that sort of like short-term family bonding that you get, especially with our production. I enjoy that sort of tunnel vision. I, I stage manage a lot too. So that sort of tunnel vision that you get as, as you're approaching tech and, and getting to the, getting to the premiere of the play and the problem solving and sort of like, we'll call it almost trauma bonding that happens as that approaches is such a like exciting, thrilling experience. So that's a huge thing in the theater for me. It's just like, 
getting together with people who really care about what they're doing and want to do it to the best of their abilities. And we're all working towards that, that common goal, to, towards that common art that we want to make. That is a fantastic answer. I love that. Yes. Dougie, how about you? What is your favorite part about working in the theater? Mine is always been tech. But I think it's for all those reasons that Dakota just spoke about, because it's when all of the different parts meet. It's when all of the collaborative meetings I've been having with these passionate artists, you know what I mean, meet each other. It's when all of the work of the staging meets the world of the play. It's when the actors meet the space. It's it's all those things. And it's, it, I especially, I of course acted before I directed and when I used to say that as an actor, other actors would be like, what, what the fuck? Like, you like tech? Tech is cool. You know what I mean? Like, tech is my favorite part because it's when the magic happens. And I just, it's my favorite thing in the world to see it come together, you know, from usually the back row of the house next to a booth or a table on a bunch of chairs precariously balanced with like five coffees and fast food burger wrappers just falling into the aisles <laughs> and, and in the chaos of it all. And then you look up at the stage picture and you go, oh my God, it's, you know, what we all dreamed. Yes, that is like the most accurate description of a tech rehearsal. I think the only thing you left out was the giant bin of licorice i feel like in every tech yeah. always the giant bin of like red vines or something gotta have that sugar i mean it's in burgers coffee and licorice we live off of Damn. that stuff for that week that's us before. very soon <laughs> very soon well we have now arrived at my favorite question to ask guests and that of course is what is your favorite theater memory I think back to this time I introduced my cousin who I don't think had seen theater for, you know, since he was in junior high, maybe, you know, brought him to New York City. And I'm thinking, I work in theater. I got to show him what this life is about to some extent. So I took him to Drunk Shakespeare and I enjoyed that show, of course, but I really enjoyed his response to that show. I bet you he was rolling his eyes thinking about me dragging him to a Shakespeare show. And by the end of that experience, like, I think he garnered a new appreciation for theater and kind of understood, like, why I love it so much and, and what I do. And so that is, like, probably one of my favorite theater experiences is, like, showing someone I love, like, this whole, this whole world that, that we're involved in. That is a fantastic theater memory. We love, love stories about bringing people to the theater. So that is wonderful. Thank you for that. Dougie, how about you? It was sort of torn between two. So I'm going to go with this one. <laughs> it is really hard to pick. You don't. Okay. It's kind of that moment, if you know that song for me as a person. So I, I was 18 as a freshman in undergrad in upstate New York, where it gets extremely cold. I believe it was spring break. We were working on the Who's Tommy, which I know what a fun freshman year to be in the Who's Tommy. And I mean, oh, just forget the life-changing, like wonderful giddiness of getting to do a process like that. But the specific moment was I was sitting and it was, they've redone the theater since then, but it was like a brick cave that they had built this ugly thing from the 70s that they've fixed now. And the heat was, of course, turned really low because the everyone was off campus because it was spring break. And we were just, I was sitting against the brick wall, freezing cold. And I remember seeing, you know, like 11 at night or something. 
And I remember seeing Kevin Halpin, who is the director of the program, is still the director of the program, hopping up on the stage and working with the tech in the house, the lighting designer, I believe it was, on something and fixing a stage picture. And he was working with another student. And I just remember sort of leaning back and I could see the proscenium sort of out of the corner of my eye and just watching him work. And I remember very clearly being 18 and thinking, that's who I want to be. Yes. <laughs> I love that. I love it. Yes. And shout out to teachers. Yes. Oh, my God. Oh, my God, yes. Yes. Thank you both for those wonderful, wonderful memories. I love them. Well, as we wrap things up, I have two last questions. And the first being, do either of you have any other projects or productions coming on the pipeline that we might be able to plug for you? Yeah. I'm working on getting my play Wildfire produced uh, off-Broadway in the upcoming theater season. So that's sort of the next project for me. I know it's going to be a, a game changer. I believe it has this huge potential to rock the theater world. It's based on my five years working as a wildland firefighter for the U.S. Forest Service. And especially after seeing the city shrouded in orange last summer, I think you know, this play will have a great impact on New York audiences and, you know, sort of the East Coast at large. And, you know, I, th I think that that's our next big project for a collective. And that's going to be a really seismic theatrical experience that I'm, I'm really excited to bring to this stage. That is wonderful. Oh, I can't wait. Dougie, how about you? I am, I was actually just thinking about this in the shower this morning, probably as soon as we close, I'm going to switch gears and start working on developing the next staging of another original play by a playwright named Leah M. Bickley called Hashtag Hell is Other People. She's bringing it to New York Theater Festival this summer with our cast from the last time we did it, which will be kind of a perfect place for it to start to see more audience and more light of day, you know, and more real world development and it's staging and it's a really exciting original play about the perils of social media in our society today but in, in a wonderful sort of satirical co dark comic edge to it that is really fun and incredibly contemporary to this moment that i can't wait actually to get back to is going to be a really good time and that'll be at new york theater festival this june if you want to swing through and support a young vibrant female playwright who's really really excited to start getting her work out there that'd be awesome that is amazing so definitely some things going on past flight risk that we need to stay tuned for and so that's a great lead into my final question which is if our listeners would like more information about flight risk or either of you maybe they'd like to reach out to you how can they do so sure you can see our website our whole landing page and tickets at our.show slash flight risk 2024 and you can find me on instagram at dakota sylvie and my website to see everything that i'm updating dakota sylvie.com Exactly as Dakota said, feel free to check out our website for the show to learn more. You can also come see the show. We'll both be there. You can talk to us in the lobby beforehand or after, maybe over a drink. And yeah, Instagram is actually 
again, talking about social media, a great place to reach out to me and actually get a hold of me at Dougie.Robbins, two Bs and Robbins, just like Jerome, but we're not related. And, you know, feel free to reach out to me about anything. I'm really easy to contact to through there, you know. Wonderful. Well, Dakota, Dougie, thank you too so, so much for stopping by today and sharing this incredible show with a lovely question mark. We all have to show up to learn more about it. And just everything else, the stuff that you're coming up with, these fabulous memories, just everything. Thank you so much for your time today. Thank Our you. pleasure. Thank you for having us. My guest today has been the playwright Dakota Sylvie and the director Dougie Robbins, both who are a part of a collective's presentation of Flight Risk, playing March 6th through the 10th at the Gene Frankel Theater. You can get tickets and more information by visiting our.show slash Flight Risk 2024. We also have some fantastic contact information for our guests so that you can stay on top of all the amazing projects they have coming on the pipeline. That's right, this is not the end. Flight Risk is not the end. There's so much more coming from these two wonderful artists and we'll be posting that information on our episode description as well as on our social media posts. But for right now, head over to our.show slash Flight Risk 2024. Get your tickets. It's a limited run for Flight Risk playing March 6th through the 10th. So until next time, I'm Andrew Cortez reminding you to turn off your cell phones, unwrap your candies, and keep talking about the theater in a stage whisper. Thank you. If you like what you hear, please leave a five-star review, like, and subscribe. You can also find us on Facebook and Instagram at Stage Whisper Pod. And feel free to reach out to us with your comments and personal stories at stagewhisperpod at gmail.com. And be sure to check out our website for all things Stage Whisper and theater. You'll be able to find merchandise, tours, tickets, and more. Simply visit stagewhisperpod.com. Our theme song is Maniac by Jazzar. Other music on this episode provided by Jazzar and Billy Murray. You can also become a patron of our show by logging on to patreon.com slash stagewhisperpod. There you will find all the information about our backstage pass as well as our tip jar. Thank you so much for your generosity. We could not do this show without you.